Well, praise the Lord, everybody. I think I'm all hooked up now. Had another day today like last Wednesday. I ran to and fro across the face of the earth. <laughs> I wasn't looking for anybody to accuse, though, but <laughs> I was doing my work. Um, but, uh, amen. I think I went from Dan to Beersheba, so. Here we are, Lesson 21, amen, we're in the 11th chapter of the book of Romans, we only got a few chapters left, amen, amen. Uh, tonight's theme is the root and the branch, uh, we're going to talk about uh, Israel a little bit, we're going to talk about Gentiles a little bit, amen, that's uh, the going theme of this uh, book, uh, as you remember, uh, it was uh, basically a congregation, uh, that started out as a Jewish congregation with a, a few Gentiles here and there. The Jews got kicked out of Rome for about five years. And when they came back, well, this church had grown and, and, and they were all Gentiles. And, and uh, they had, were doing Gentile things, you know. They weren't doing, they weren't like sinning uh, against God, but they were uh, doing things against the law of Moses. And that upset, you know, some of the... Uh, uh, the Jewish believers, and, and they had some conflicts uh, because of that, you know. And, you know, they were bringing bacon, lettuce, tomato sandwiches to church, and uh, some of the Jews didn't appreciate that, amen, because they don't eat bacon. And, uh, and so, uh, and the Jews uh, and the Gentiles, you know, uh, they didn't know about the circumcision thing now. Uh, <laughs> they didn't want anything to do with that. And so they had conflicts, amen. But, uh, and, and Paul wrote this epistle to kind of smooth some of those things out and kind of bring some understanding between uh, the two uh, the two groups, amen, because, uh, amen, all in all, uh, there's no Jew or, or Gentile, amen, there's no male, no female, amen, uh, we're all one body in Christ, praise the Lord. Let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer and ask his uh, blessing uh, upon uh tonight's lesson, amen, that we can uh, receive understanding and illumination. Uh, I, I believe it's important to invite the Holy Spirit in, you know, to, to open up our minds and open up our hearts uh, that we can receive uh, from him. Because I know uh, when I first became a believer and when I, right after I got the Holy Spirit, uh, things changed for me. Uh, I, I would read the King James Version, and those these and thous would just, I, I was tripping all over them. I couldn't understand a word I was reading. Then after I got saved, and after the Holy Spirit, I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, man, it just opened up my mind, and I, I began to understand things. And uh, little by little, line upon line, precept upon precept, I didn't understand it all at once. Now, over the years, I've understood a little bit more here and there, Amen. And uh, I guess that's the way it's designed to work, amen. Uh, we, we, we layer our understanding, amen. It's like building a house. You start with the, uh, the, the footing and uh, the, the foundation, and then you build uh, layer upon layer upon layer until you get it, get it finished, amen. Praise the Lord. So that's what we're doing tonight. We're laying down a, another layer, amen. And So let's ask the Lord to open up our understanding so that we can receive uh, what he has to to say to us from these uh, scriptures tonight. 
Lord, Heavenly Father, you are great and greatly to be praised. We thank you for the death, burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that he hung on a cross for us. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you extended grace unto us, O Lord, unworthy and undeserving, Lord, yet you still did. And God, help us, Lord, to understand this marvelous grace. Help us to understand Oh, this grace, it's, 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 so, it's so big and it's so all-encompassing, Lord. I, I can't wrap my head around it, God. But I pray that you would help us tonight, Lord, to receive some understanding, to receive some illumination by the gift of the Holy Spirit in us that we can, we can comprehend your word and understand it just a little bit more. And we thank and praise you tonight in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. Amen. So we are in Romans chapter 11. We're uh, covering verses 1 through 24 uh, tonight. And uh, let's go to uh, verse 1 of uh, chapter 11, and we will begin uh, to read uh, the Word of God. This is what says the Word of God. I accept uh, the Bible as the, the, uh, the authoritative Word of God. Amen. I, I, I believe that Possibly some of the translators made mistakes, small minor mistakes, uh, but I believe the the, the word of the, uh, the the Bible in its original form is from uh, the mouth of God. Amen. And I and I believe it it has authority over our lives. Amen. I I believe it's the word of God. I believe it's the word of God from uh, Genesis all the way to the maps in the back. Amen. So. <laughs> So it's the word of God, amen. And uh, the, these scriptures, uh, I, I, don't know they, I, don't know, I don't know about you, but they speak to me, amen. They speak to me, amen. So let's uh, start at verse, uh, uh, we're uh, actually in uh, Romans 11, uh, starting at verse 1. The, uh, <laughs> the media crew is working on that, amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. I'll, I'll stall and, and act like I'm doing something and, and act like I'm saying something for a minute until uh, they get it all up there and then, uh, and then we'll just take off. And uh, <laughs> Amen. But uh, they're working on it. Praise the Lord. Okay, I, I, got, I got it in my notes, so we'll just go ahead. And you probably do too. Romans chapter 11, verse 1. Paul, this is Paul speaking. Uh, uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says, I ask then, did God reject his people? By no means. I am an Israelite myself, a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin. God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. And he's not rejecting them today. Amen? Amen. I just want to throw that in there for those, uh, some of those prophecy people who believe that uh, God's through with the Jews. No, he's not. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. Do you know what scripture says in the passage about Elijah? How he appealed to God against Israel. Verse 3 says, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I'm the only one left and they're trying to kill me. And what was God's answer to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too, at the present time, 
there is a remnant chosen by grace. So as in Elijah's day, God had a remnant chosen by grace. In Paul's day, God had a remnant of Israel chosen by grace. And guess what? Right now here today, there is a remnant of Israel chosen by grace. Amen? Praise the Lord. So let's go to our questions uh, in section one. Uh, the remnant's response is, is the, this section's title. Reread Romans 10.21 with Romans 11 and 1. Where does Paul place the blame for Israel's alienation from God? Let's, let's, let's recap Romans 10.21. But concerning Israel, he says, All day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. Amen. So uh, based on that, uh, uh, where does Paul place the blame for Israel's alienation from God? Uh, Brother Ernie. Amen. Because uh, uh, they're a little obstinate and stiff-necked and stubborn. Amen. Question two. What two examples does he use to show what God was uh, not responsible for? to show that God was not responsible for the alienation. What two examples? Go ahead, Pastor Ernie. Yeah, so they wouldn't listen. Amen. Anybody got anything else to add? It's just... And, and, and why did God... Uh, why is this all put in the Bible? Because we act the same way sometimes. <laughs> Been there, done that. Got the scars to prove it. <laughs> Amen. Let's go on to question three. Why do you think Elijah, uh, what do you think Elijah was feeling? And what was he asking for? Uh, verse two. And this is, uh, see also 1 Kings Chapter 19, verses 9 to, to 18. And uh, does anybody need to review that uh, section of scripture? Or? Right. Alone? Uh, Sister Elizabeth? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You think he might have had a little depression going on there, a little discouragement? Because, uh, you know, the second cousin of uh, dis uh, di uh, uh, discouragement is depression. Amen. So they all they go together. Amen. <laughs> uh, uh, Brother Ernie, go ahead. Yeah. He said, God, look how they're treating me. They kill, they kill all of your prophets, and now they're wanting to kill me, you know. <laughs> so, and does, does that remind anyone of when the disciples uh, asked uh, Jesus, why don't you call fire down on these people for, for rejecting, you know, your message? You know. <laughs> Question four says, how, how accurate 
was the basic premise of Elijah's argument. How accurate, because uh, uh, Elijah prays to God, he, asks, he calls, uh, calls out to God with these things. How accurate was his, his presentation or his question? Right. They were they were trying to hurt him. Uh, he wasn't being dramatic. They didn't want him there. I mean, he's pro- basically accurate except for one thing. You know, except except one one thing. He thought he was the only one. Right. <laughs> and he wasn't. And I think that's the point of what Paul was saying is that Israel's not the only one. Right. Right. Yeah. He, God had. God always has some. Has someone else out there. Amen. But what you know? Uh, uh, what does that say to us, though? Have you ever? Have you ever been in that situation where you felt kind of alienated, and segregated, and isolated, and sequestered from the rest of the group? You know, you're like, I feel like I'm the the black sheep uh, of the church. Uh, you know. I feel like, uh, you know, everybody else has just, you know, abandoned me. And, uh, you know, that, that's, that is a trick of the enemy uh, to get us to feel that way. Amen. It is a trick of the enemy uh, to get us uh, uh, away from the group because we're vulnerable then. Amen. But I digress. Let's go on to the next section, uh, which covers uh, Romans 11 and it. Uh, again, it overlaps. It starts with verse 5 uh, through 10, and it's called Grace as the Base. Grace as the Base. And uh, so it's on the screen now. So, too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. And. And if by grace, then it cannot be based on works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. Wow. What then? What the people of Israel sought so earnestly, they did not obtain. The elect among them, among them did, but the others were hardened. So it's saying some of them, some of them got it. Some of them, some of them tapped into that. But for the most part, most of them were hardened. As it is written, God gave them a spirit, a stupor, eyes that could not see and ears that could not hear to this very day. And I would say that that's pretty much true still to this day. Amen. There's still people that they just cannot see it. They cannot hear it. Amen. Verse 9 says, And David says, May their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. May their eyes be darkened so they cannot see, and their backs be bent forever. On what basis, uh, question five begins, on what basis did God choose the remnant? What, what, was, the, what was the basis uh, of the remnant, of God choosing the remnant? Uh, go ahead, Sister Elizabeth. 
Because you. Right. Amen. Yeah, it's good answer. And uh, part B of question five is, uh, why do you think Paul needed to emphasize this in connection with Israel's remnant? Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, Right. On top of what she said, I also wrote that I think another point was also to show that this was not, you know, the offering of grace over mistakes was not something that God came up with on the fly. It's something you've been doing for a while. Mm -hmm. There's always been that opportunity to improve yourself and turn back to him. It's just whether or not people took it. Mm -hmm. Right. Grace wasn't a plan B. Yeah. He wanted them to know this was not by works, but solely by grace. Mm. Amen. Amen. That's a that's a sobering thought. Isn't it? Wow. No. So organization thriving by works. Have you ever had the thought what if you were born in the uh, jungles of Am of the Amazon to never hear the name of Christ. But yet, you grew up in America. Or most of us grew up in America. <laughs> Amen. Lath is my favorite American now. <laughs> Amen. Go ahead, Brother Ernie. What you just said, the first verse you read talked about a group and said the elect among them. Mm -hmm. What does that mean specifically, the elect among them? I think it's just talking about the remnant. Was it? Okay. Yeah, just the remnant, those that, uh, those that grasp, uh, you know, those that bought in, those that jumped in with both feet, <laughs> you know. initial spreading was Jewish believers mm -hmm. under persecution uh, leaving the area and taking that gospel message with them. Mm -hmm. Amen. Question six says for further study, the concept of a believing remnant was familiar to the Israelites. What do the following passages say will bring about the remnant's return? And then Isaiah 11, 9 to 11. Uh, let's read that real quick. Uh, 
They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That day the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. In that day the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to reclaim the surviving remnant of his people from Assyria, from Lower Egypt, from Upper Egypt, from Cush, from Elam, from Babylonia, from Hamath, and from the islands of the Mediterranean. Amen. So um, what do you think the, the following passages say will bring about the remnant's return from Isaiah? Who got... What do you got get for uh, Isaiah? <clears throat> Go ahead, uh, Pastor Ernie. Amen. Someone got something else to add? To be reclaimed. Amen. And then uh, Jeremiah 23, 3 to 6. Well, let's read this. this. Amen. Verse 3 says, I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I've driven them and will bring them back to their pasture where they will be fruitful and increase in number. I will place shepherds over them who will tend them, and they will no longer be afraid or terrified, nor will any be missing, declares the Lord. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteous Savior. Amen. So um, what do the following passages say will bring about the remnant's return? So what did Jeremiah say, uh, say that stood out to you? Go ahead, Elizabeth. God will return them to the promised land where they will be prosperous and they will multiply their numbers, they'll be safe, and also will be led by Jesus. Amen. In, in both the passages, I notice that, it, that it's a similar theme. Who's going to do it? Yeah. God Himself. Amen. It also said that God was going to raise up David. Mm hmm. Yeah, but in this uh, uh, this lesson tonight is called the root and the branch, and uh, and if, if you've studied, you know that Jesus is the root and the branch. He's the beginning and the ending. He's the Alpha and the Omega. Amen. He he uh, 
He was the one that created David, and he came forth from David because of his DNA. Amen. He, he was a descendant of David. So he is the root and the branch uh, uh, of Jesse. Uh, Jesse was uh, David's father. Amen. Let's move on to question seven. Based on your study thus far, why was Israel unable to obtain what it was seeking? And this is, see also Romans 9.31. So uh, Romans 9.31 says, But the people of Israel who pursued the law as the way of righteousness have not attained their goal. So why were they unable to obtain what they were seeking? Go ahead, Sister Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they, the laws were all that mattered to them, and they, they couldn't see that the laws were not enough. Mm-hmm. Right. Anybody got anything else? All right, question eight. As you read of the hardening, the hardening of their hearts, uh, verses eight through ten, what insights from lesson 18 on Romans 9 uh uh, 14 to 18 are helpful. So uh, we can recap from uh, Romans chapter 9, verses 14 to 18. It says, What then shall we say? Is God unjust? Not at all. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. It does not, therefore, depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. For scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose, that I might display my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Therefore, God has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy, and he hardens whom he wants to harden. Amen. So God can, God is sovereign. He can do what he wants. Now, I'm in my mind, I'm thinking uh, a lot of, uh, previously it talked about um, in, uh, in the first section how that uh, God, uh, God did not reject his people whom he foreknew, uh, verse 2. And I believe that the hardening or the, you know, the, the hardening of uh, of, of the people of Israel, the ones that were hardened, not the ones that accepted, but the ones that were hardened, were people that he foreknew would never, never live for him anyway, you know. So, uh, some people, you know, sometimes we think that, well, that sounds kind of unfair, huh? No, well, God's not, God, God is just, amen, God is just. So, uh, you know, uh, Pharaoh, he, 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 was, he never wanted to let the people uh, go anyway. He never wanted to change anyway. Amen. God just made him worse, you know, in, in what he was determined to do. Question 9 says, in the following passages, why did Jesus, or what did Jesus say about Israel's hard heart? Matthew uh, 23, 37. Let's read that. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You who kill the prophets and stone those 
sent to you. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Mm. And then uh, John uh, chapter 5, 33 to 44. You have sent to John, and he has testified to the truth. Not that I accept human testimony, but I mention it that you may be saved. John was a lamp that burned and gave light, and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. I have testimony weightier than that of John. For the works that the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I'm doing, testify that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Amen. That's, that's pointed and direct. And then the last uh, three verses was 45 to 47. But do not think I will accuse you before the Father. Your accuser is Moses, on whom your hopes are set. So what is he saying that? Because they put their faith in the law. They put their trust in the law to save them. Amen. If you believed Moses, you would have believed me. For he wrote about me. But since you do not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? Mm. So in the following passages, what did Jesus say about Israel? Israel's hard heart. So uh, anybody want to comment on that? Go ahead, Sister Elizabeth. Right. And someone else have anything to add? Hey. Go ahead, Haley. Thank you. Right, right. Um, also to add to that, and I think part of the problem with like what she was saying, it was it was a matter of them like looking at it very literally and not looking at the actual like context of it. They were looking at like the words themselves. Mm -hmm. So like when things would describe, you know, Jesus and, and everything like that, they described him as, you know, you know, this big mighty thing and he's this being, right? Right. 
like anyone different than the rest of the people who are around there. <laughs> so they're looking at him like, oh, you're the king? Look what you're wearing. It's like, you can't wear my donkey and stuff, dude. Like, you're not that special. You know? <laughs> but they don't understand. Like, they're not looking at the bigger picture. They're just looking at the plain words. Now, oh, I, I want to interject that, that uh, one thing that clouded their uh, their I started to say understanding of the law, but maybe misunderstanding of the law, is that they took those 613 commandments that are contained in the Old Testament and uh, turned them into hundreds and hundreds and hundreds because they, they added things. And they, they had to break down and, 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 and explain it in, in greater detail, and so they just kept adding law upon law upon law upon law upon law. Amen. So got kind of complicated. Amen. Man complicates everything. Amen. And kind of essentially them and themselves saying that like God's word wasn't clear enough when we all know that's not a fact. Like God says what he means and he means what he says. And mm-hmm. that's it. Any brother Bob wants to say? Brother Dave, they got to the point where Jesus reprimanded them of this very fact that they had got to the point that they had added so many things mm-hmm. uh, they, 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 he referred to it as weight on other people that you yourself wouldn't even lift with your little finger mm-hmm. and uh, to, to this is where Jesus uh, clearly stated to them Right. All right, let's go on to the third section, Romans chapter 11, 11 to 16. Reconciliation still available. Yeah. Thank God for that, amen? Yeah. Amen. So let's uh, begin uh, at uh, verse 11. It says, Again, I ask, did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? Not at all. Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. But if their transgression means riches for the world, and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how much greater riches will their full inclusion bring? It's like, how much more better is it going to be when they come back uh, into the fullness of God? Amen? 
I am talking to you Gentiles. Inasmuch as I am the apostle to the Gentiles, I take pride in my ministry in the hope that I may somehow arouse my own people to envy and save some of them. For if their rejection brought reconciliation to the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? If the part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. Amen. Praise God. Question 10 says, what is the question in Romans 11, 11 really asking? Uh, Sister Elizabeth. Have the Israelites caused damage to their relationship with God that is irreversible? Right. That's basically he's asking, you know, is it beyond repair? Is it beyond reconciliation? And he answers that question by no means. Amen. Praise the Lord. Question 11, what, byproduct, what byproducts did Israel's rejection bring about? Uh, Brother Bob. It had to be so. It had to be so because Jesus already spoke to them about it. Yeah. He said that uh, he gave the parable about uh, When he sends his workers, they in the field, oh, I'm getting a little bit tired. Anyhow, go ahead, I'll, I'll shut up, give the word. <laughs> My mind is racing too much. I, I lost the train of thought. Uh, okay. so what byproduct did Israel's rejection bring about? Well, the byproduct was the grafting of the Gentiles. Right. Yeah, God knew the end from the beginning. He knew that uh, he would be rejected by his own, uh, but he would be accepted by the rest of, of mankind, the Gentiles. Amen. Question 12. Even though Paul considers himself the apostle to the Gentiles, what phrases in this passage reveal his heart for the Jews? Go ahead, Sister Elizabeth. That he hoped that he, what he was doing and saying may arouse in his own people, meaning the Jews, to be envious of what was extended to the Gentiles because it was first given to them. Right. And that some of them might go, hey, pretty much go, hey, but wait, I want that. I'm here. I'm here now. <laughs> and it's not, a, it's not a them instead of us now. It's all of us. But he's hoping that that jealousy will kind of for good and bring them back to God and, and towards an acceptance of Jesus. Right. Well, let's, uh, let's look at Paul's ministry for a minute. Who did Paul originally go after with this message? His fellow Jews. Amen. Yes, he did. And uh, he uh, had, had a lot of frustration uh, trying to convince them. 
And ultimately, the, the Holy Spirit led him uh, to go to the, to the Gentiles, to be the apostle to the Gentiles. Amen. But his original uh, focus was upon his own countrymen. So his heart is still with him. Even though God sent me to the Gentiles, I still want my people to be saved. And I believe they will. And he, then he proves it you know, with, uh, with, with Old Testament scripture. Then in question 13 says, how does Paul see salvation among the Gentiles working for the Jews' benefit? Go ahead, Elizabeth. I put that it increases the riches of God's kingdom. So like there's more people there. There's more people following God. Mm-hmm. And yeah. more people to keep bringing people to God. And it just keeps increasing yeah. for the favor of God. Right. And... Uh, Anybody got something else to add to that? Because basically, I'm uh, adding on to what Elizabeth said, that uh, God working in the Gentiles would provoke the Jews to envy. So wait a minute. What's, what's God doing with all those Gentiles over there? And so that was Paul's hope, you know, that God working in the, in the Gentiles will provoke uh, the Jews to jealousy. Uh, sister. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm thinking that God has put something automatically in Jewish people. That their whole attitude, their demeanor, everything is different. Mm-hmm. Working with as many Jewish doctors as I did at Harper Hospital. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I don't know about anyone else here, but I've never heard of a Jewish person committing murder on, on someone. It's never been on the news that I've seen. But now we see it everywhere with people from <laughs> everywhere. You right. Know? Yeah. Yeah. They, they, are, they are special people. Jews, Jews are special people. Yeah, they, they're very blessed people. I can see why God loves them so much. Mm-hmm. All they need is Jesus. <laughs> Amen. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, there, there uh, are quite a number of uh, uh, Messianic Jews or Jewish Christians. Amen. And uh, Jews for Jesus is uh, one group. And uh, Amen. And, uh, you know, uh, my experience with the Jewish Christians is they have a very uh, deep understanding of the New Testament because they know the Old Testament. Uh, they know a lot of the, the background and, and the, the historical things behind. We, a lot of things we read right over, you know, in the New Testament, and we don't even catch it. And the, Jew, so the Jewish people go, oh, my goodness, I see what's going on here, you know. Uh, so, uh, 
Amen. Praise God for them. Amen. Next section is uh, Romans eleven seventeen to 21. Faith's proper attitude. Amen. This is where uh, Paul turns to the Gentiles a little bit and <laughs> gives us a word or two. Amen. Verse 17. If some of the branches have been broken off and you, though a wild olive shoot, and he's talking about Gentiles now, have been grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root, do not consider yourself to be superior to those other branches. What's he saying? Don't consider yourself all that in a bag of chips, as the saying goes. If you do, consider this. You do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief. And you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but tremble. He says, have a little humility. For if God did not spare the natural branches, He will not spare you either. That's a sobering thought. Let's go to the questions. 14, part A says in verses 17 and 18, what attitude does Paul warn the Gentiles to avoid? Sister Elizabeth? Do not think yourself better than the Jewish people. Right. And it, it was kind of funny, um, ironic, uh, that this was the topic of this week's uh, Bible study session because I had just seen um, something last week on one of the uh, Christian pages that I follow on mm -hmm. Facebook, and it was some very not Christian behavior. There was a lot of people in the comment section that were essentially dogging on the Jewish people and mm. saying, like, you know, hey, God's done with them. Well, God's done with the mm. Old Testament. The Old Testament is relevant, and everything with the Jewish people isn't relevant. And there was only a few people in there that were like, uh, hey, 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 guys, <laughs> you, you might not want to do that. Yeah. And I'm sitting there looking at They haven't at read Romans 11, have they? <laughs> yeah, Now, Paul uh, warns the Gentiles to avoid that kind of behavior uh, 
Part B of question 14 says, what is the basis of his warning? What is the basis of his warning? Go ahead, Brother Ernie. You and some of the, the branches were broken off, and you were grafted in, but yet you do not support the root. The root supports you. Right. He uses a natural, common, agricultural, uh, uh, biological uh, truth yeah. uh, to explain a spiritual truth. Amen. Uh, you know, the, the roots can go on living without the branches. Right. And sometimes they will uh, re-sprout and, and grow another branch if, if it's cut off, just like your grass. You know, you cut it off, it grows back up. But that top part of the grass dries up and dies without the root. Amen. So it's just a, just a, just a, a natural, biological, scientific fact. And then you use that to show a spiritual truth. Anybody got any, in, any addition to that? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that's something, uh, it's a point that Paul was getting to that even 2,000 years ago was a problem. Yes, God has grafted you in, but don't be arrogant. We're all grafted in because of his grace. All right. And your status doesn't give you superiority over anybody. Yeah. And it's like, uh, you know, the remnant was made possible by grace. Uh, the uh, branches that were grafted in was made possible by grace. Amen. So, <laughs> just think about what Paul said. And he said, you know, how much greater would it be if we were all there together? Mm-hmm. And that, Which will happen one day. Yeah, and, and of everything that I read during this chapter for Bible study, that was the thing that resonated with me the most, honestly was just imagine how much good we could do for the glory of God's kingdom mm-hmm. as his children, if both his Gentile and Jewish children came together and worked together for his good. Mm-hmm. We would be able to accomplish so many things for him. Amen. Question 15, read Isaiah 11, verse 10, 53 and 2. And Revelations 5 5 says, What insight do these verses give you about the root Paul writes of here in Romans 11? And we can uh, uh, read those three verses. Isaiah 11, verse 10. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place. 
will be glorious. So who is the root of Jesse? <laughs> Jesus. Isaiah 53, 2. He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Now notice it says he grew up like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. So he's, he's, I mean, he, he's like covering everything. He's the shoot and the, and the root or the branch or the root and the branch. He's life in the middle of death. Right. Yeah, yeah. How, how, does, how does that happen? You know, it doesn't happen in the natural. But God's not natural. He's supernatural. And then uh, Revelation 5, 5. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. So what insight do these verses give you about the root Paul writes of here in Romans? Someone going to want to elaborate on that? The root is Jesus. Mm -hmm. yeah. he's, he's, the, he's the source. I mean, uh, Jesus, uh, what was that that Jesus said? Uh, if, you, if you abide in me, Right. And he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And that's a context we need to understand that he is our source. Amen. I think that a lot of people get so, I think that they come from a good place, but I think, you know what they say about the road to hell, it's paved with good intentions. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people get a little overzealous in their faith and they forget that, you know, God doesn't really need us. He wants us, but like we need him. And that's a big difference. Mm -hmm. Like you can live without something you want. You can't live without something you need. Right. Pastor Willie? God's God. whole purpose was to bring about the unity. He used Israel as an incubator to bring about his son, but his whole purpose was the entire world. Mm -hmm. And Amen. it is sad sometimes in today's in Christendom, we use different things of how will you baptize, will you speak in tongues, and all these other silly little things mm -hmm. that make us feel superior 
to other people, and we still do that. We still have denominations being divided. We still have ways to divide ourselves yeah. and try to say we're better than this group of Christians or we're better than that group of Christians. When Christ didn't come to divide, he came to unify. Um, we have to be careful nowadays because some people who call themselves Christians are not Christians. They, yeah. uh, they don't hold the Christian doctrine. But for those of us who believe what the Bible says, we're all brothers and sisters and should be seeking unity. Mm-hmm. Amen. Praise God. Question 16 says, what is the one requirement for union with the root on the part of Jews or Gentiles? What's that one requirement that whether you're Jew or Gentile, to be connected to the root, you must have? Brother Bob. Faith. Yeah. Sister Worf had it too. Amen. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Yeah. Verse 20 said... uh, but they were broken off because of unbelief, and you stand by faith. Amen. Yeah, so, so Dave, go ahead. He said, but you stand by faith. Mm-hmm. The Jews have the history from Moses, from Abraham and Moses and, and up to the present, where finally they uh, were cut off because of unbelief. Right. They have this heritage that they can trace back for millennials. Mm-hmm. What do we have? Faith. If your faith fails you, you have <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, I can only trace my ancestors back a, a, a few generations, you know. Uh, but I got faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's wonderful that, um, well, anyway, go on. <laughs> Question 17 from Romans 11, 19 and uh, 21. What is Paul's second warning? Uh, Brother Ernie, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Amen. Don't get all puffed up. Thinking, don't think you you got God in the corner. Amen. <laughs> As some of the old timers would say. Go ahead. The Lord uses situations sometimes to open doors for us. This past Saturday, my wife I met her sister for the first time in years. Her and her husband were in Dearborn for a wedding. Both of them are top uh, professors at Yale University. Oh. And he's a geologist. So I'm thinking, this, we went to the Avenue Brunch, which is fantastic in Dearborn. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, how am I going to break the ice with this professor here talking about Jesus a little bit? So I said, being a top geologist, uh, you ever been to rock concerts? He didn't catch that right away. <laughs> and, then, and then I said, and when you went there, how many times were you stoned? <laughs> Well, at least it opened the door. <laughs> Got his attention, huh? <laughs> now, uh, tagging off uh, question 17, uh, 
Paul's second warning. What is the basis of this warning? Go ahead, Haley. Yeah, uh, verse 21, for God did not spare the natural branches. He will not spare you either. Amen. Last section, Romans 11, 22 to 24, God's kindness and severity. Amen. Let's uh, start at uh, verse 22 and uh, read the rest of this section. Consider, therefore, the kindness and sternness of God, sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you also will be cut off. And if they do not persist in unbelief, they will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. After all, if you were cut out of an olive tree that is wild by nature, and contrary to nature, were grafted into a cultivated olive tree, how much more readily will these, the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? Amen. 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 So basically uh, what's, that, what's that saying is God broke off branches from this cultivated olive tree, which is Israel. And then he grafted in Gentiles from the wild olive tree. But if God wants to, he can take those branches that were broken off and graft them back in because they are the, the pure natural uh, yes. uh, match to the cultivated tree. They would be a perfect DNA match uh, going back into that tree. Now, so you, there's a lot of trees you can, uh, you know, graft back and forth, uh, you know, branches with. And I've seen... Uh, where the guy had like uh, like twelve different kinds of fruit on one tree, because he grafted, you know. But uh, I'm pretty sure that there's some uh, types of trees that you can't graft together. Uh, they just they're not not compatible. But the old branches from the same tree are compatible, and God can bring those back in. Amen. Is 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 what that's saying. So let's go to the, let's see. It says, read also Joel 2, 11 to 13 and Hebrews 12, 10 to 11. And uh, let's see if we go to Joel chapter 2, verses 11 to 13. This is, uh, the Lord thunders at the head of his army. His forces are beyond number. And mighty is the army that obeys his command. The day of the Lord is great. It is dreadful. Who can endure it? Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate slow to anger and abounding in love and he relents from sending calamity amen rend that what what jumps out at me on that is rend your heart and not your garments amen not just don't just 
make a show on the outside of your repentance, but let it happen all the way to your core. Praise God. And then uh, Hebrews 12, verses 10 and 11. It says, They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but, God's dis- but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in His holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So what is the reason for God's kindness out of those two portions of Scripture? Uh, Elizabeth, go ahead. And then Brother Ernie. Uh, To give us opportunities to repent for our transgressions. Right. It's a way to come back from your mistakes. Amen. And God makes it plain. It's easy to come back. He disciplined us for our own good that we may share in His holiness. Amen. And I just just feel... uh, 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 inspired to say that maybe someone out there online, maybe you feel that you can't go back to God because of all the things you've done, the lifestyle that you lived. There's no way that God will take me back. That's wrong. The, the scriptures we have read here tonight prove that God is willing to take you back. God will bring you back. He'll put His arms around you and He will redeem you. He will he will give you brand new life. He'll give you a brand new name, uh, a brand new purpose. Amen. God, God will, what, the, uh, what a, a broken spirit and a contrite heart, God will in no wise despise. He will not turn you away when you, when you uh, repent unto Him. Amen. God will let you come home again. Praise God. What about the severity of God? Remember, there's two sides. God, there's two sides here. There's God's kindness and God's severity. What, what about the severity? The point of the severity is to teach us lessons that allow us to be able to grow in our faith. In Amen. To be able to grow stronger. Right. Uh, verse 10 there said, God disciplines us for our good. God's not a, God, he doesn't need to get revenge on us. We're little ants. Yeah. You know, God, God everything uh, comes our way that's kind of negative, God allows for our good. God wants to see everyone saved. Amen. Praise God. Question 20, what good news would Israel find here? Uh, go ahead, Haley. Mm-hmm. So, in the sense that Israel like, might feel that it's too late, like they've messed up big time, and like mm-hmm. there's no going back, they can still come back to God and they would welcome him with very open arms, regardless of what the other son may think, because obviously God's waiting for them to come back, and he knows that they'll come back, so they don't have to worry about what God will think, should they do right? And if we try, if we start over, if we try this again. Right. <laughs> And, and that is a genuine emotion that some people do feel. I mean, and I know that because it happened to me. You know, when, when I had sowed, sowed my oats, I thought God would, wouldn't, wouldn't take me back uh, for anything. 
Amen. But he showed me different. Amen. <laughs> Brother. They were rejoicing because it says they would be grafted into their own olive tree. Yeah. Which made them real happy about that. Amen. Coming back home. Coming back home. Coming back home to the Father. Amen. Last question. What would uh, cause God to replace his severity with kindness? Elizabeth? Quite simply, it's his love for us. If he didn't love us so much, you know, <laughs> it's that he loves us. Mm -hmm. It's really what it comes down to. It's, it's the love. It's that unconditional love that a parent has for their child. Just the same way in, as us humans, when our children make mess-ups, and sometimes they're colossal in size, and there's a lot of debris to clean up, but we still love them. We might be frustrated with them. We might even be downright angry. Mm -hmm. We might be spitting nails. <laughs> but it doesn't mean that we don't love them. It doesn't mean that we don't want them near us. It doesn't mean that we're not willing to allow them the room to grow and to learn from their mistakes. Love is very kind that way. And God is a perfect example of a parent's love. Right. And going back to... Uh Joel 2.13, rend your heart and not your gar garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Amen. Amen. Awesome, awesome. Awesome message in that. Amen. whole lot of topics covered uh, tonight. And we're blessed by all of them. Amen. Anybody got any uh, any closing comments or uh, any any takeaways uh, from tonight that you want to talk about, Pastor Willie? Deacon Bob. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Deacon Lamarck. <laughs> I haven't heard uh, 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 Brother Denny uh, say anything tonight. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I realized that, especially like with this chapter and talking about. God's love and how he has, you know, set things up and really just through studying Romans especially, I realized how much of a difference um, doing my Bible study has really made for me as a person and not just in the sense of how I handle things in my day-to-day -day life, but also I've noticed that it makes a big difference in how I handle things like with my children because mm -hmm. I think about the way that God Right. I'm like, well, you know, <laughs> you know so, reflect, try to reflect his behavior towards me when dealing with my children. So you're you know? uh, experiencing application of the yeah. word. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. you, you, you hear it, you, you meditate on it a little bit, you study it a little bit, and then it starts coming out in your behavior yeah, and the way of doing things. Less, well, it, 
Well, we'll ask Brother Austin about that later, okay? <laughs> I'm just playing. God's purpose and design. At that point, uh, be like this: it's some some fast digging and some sad singing. Amen, amen. Now is the day of salvation. Amen, amen. When God reveals Himself, it's going to be too late for a whole lot of people. Amen. I'm glad I made my decision now. Amen. Pastor Willie, you want to close us out tonight?